you know, there's this like cat at work and this cat is like freaking fat. <laughs> okay, but that's not the point. So this cat likes to sleep on our bags uh-huh. and she specifically likes to sleep on my tote bag. But she's also kind of aggressive and hissy. Oh <laughs> so every time it's like lunch break, right? Um, And I try to get my wallet. I have to legitimately fight with her to get my stuff because she is sleeping on it. And the moment I go to adjust her, she starts hissing at me and she scratched me before. Oh my god. And I'm just like, what the shit? So recently, right? Every time um I put my bag down, I have to adjust where I put my wallet. So I put my wallet close to the edge, the opening. So every time I have to go for lunch, I just like slide it out without disturbing her. Just like stop her from like attacking me. It's the cat's bag, not yours. Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Honda. And this is the big four. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Already? <laughs> yeah, it's already episode 40. Oh, wow. I don't know. It's so wild, honestly. How did we end up with 40 episodes? I don't know. 40. <laughs> anyway, um, I literally just, like, an hour, 44 minutes ago, I finished watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, is it a Snyder cut? Yeah, it's a Snyder... Oh, listen. Okay, listen. When I watched Joss Whedon's Justice League, I was like, what the hell is this movie? <laughs> because it was not good. It was really, really not good. And this is like... In comparison to probably one of the greatest superhero teaming up movies ever, which is The Avengers. Like, that movie was so good because you could understand the conflict of these multiple different personalities and superheroes who, by the way, have their own, like, films. So you know what they're capable of and how they have to, like, Mm. overcome these obstacles of One being like a solo hero and now working together in a team. Joss Whedon's Justice League was like, okay, all these people are together. Okay, they need to find these boxes. Okay, here's the villain. And by the way, you never see the villain's face. Like, not... (laughs) I don't even remember. I don't even think a single time there's a close-up on the villain's face. The entire film. Mm. So you, you, you just see like the body, the outline... Like, you see the body, but you don't see the face of who this villain is, who is so terrifying that you need, like, a legitimate team of, like, your strongest heroes to band together. Uh, and yeah. I mean, the Avengers, they build up since the start. Like, the first Avengers movie, like, they already yes. established Thanos. And all the yeah, individual so- movies had that kind of line towards Thanos. yeah. No, no, I definitely agree. The very fact that Marvel has um, all these standalone films before you introduce these heroes into a team Mm. and then afterwards you have like several other movies to show how they work in the team before they fight the big baddie. Mm. That's good building because now you have context. You have like a whole universe of films. And they're by different that... directors, you know. So Yeah. Yeah, DC has no excuse like to not have a proper like story building. Spilling the tea. We are <laughs> the tea is piping hot today, folks. Today we go after DC and their terrible universe planning. <laughs> so the thing is, DC definitely wanted a universe. Mm-hmm. That's why you have like the Wonder Woman film, so you have Man of Steel. But it's just it's not enough before you actually have like a I mean they have Aquaman. superhero team. Yeah, but okay. So here's the thing. Aquaman, right, the film came out after Justice League. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you already have this um teaming up film before the other standalones. 
So you don't really understand these characters. And like the film also doesn't do a good job of individualizing and showing that these heroes are actually powerful and worth being in the team. Mm. Also because like in Joss Whedon... Honda, did you watch the first Justice League? Which one is that? <laughs> Joss Whedon's one. It came out in 2017. Okay, I guess it was so unrem... You know what? It's unmemorable. I mean, yeah, so I usually like superhero okay. films, but I know, but like DC is iffy because the films are not very good. Like, I'm sorry, if you get emotionally invested, like it won't pay off in the end because it leads to nowhere. Yeah, it. <laughs> okay, so, um, I think in terms of DC films, right? Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy was done <laughs> was fantastic, like top tier like the movies just got better and better as the trilogy went along that's something you like never ever hear of when people talk about a film series yeah that was so good and then afterwards um uh do they have any i mean dc has had a bunch of superhero films like we don't talk about the cursed ryan reynolds green lantern because that was so bad (laughs) it was legitimately so bad um i think the saving grace was like wonder woman yeah. I maybe I'm biased, but Wonder Woman is is great. Like it's a, it's a great the film. The second one, the, well, didn't really live up to its first one. Yeah. Um, I mean, problem. I haven't watched okay. it yet, but I know I haven't watched it yet because I know it's not going to be as good as the first one. Like when I saw um articles about the movie, even bef- while it was still being filmed, I was like, eh, something about this not really good. Mm. But um. What was I saying about Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman's third act is a bit iffy also. like, um, But other than that, the first two acts were like really, really good. And then um, Man of Steel was pretty good. Once I overcame my fear of seeing Henry Cavill do basically anything on screen. <laughs> Sorry, he's so scared. Your irrational fear of Henry Cavill. My irrational fear of Henry Cavill, like... Please never bring well, up his Instagram. Set my DP on Telegram as Henry Cavill. Stop it! Stop you. it! I will block you. Um. Yeah, but DC's DC's films, right, have like a history of being very up and down in terms of quality and audience reception. Mm. So when they rushed into like their first major important film, which was Batman v Superman. I was like, uh oh, because um, the title already. Okay. Yeah, I know. Very recently, I was like, um, what kind of title is this? Like, you y'all could have gone with anything, but y'all stuck with Batman v Superman. But that film was not good. Uh huh. Because, um, okay, I'm not sure if we should just blame. Stop it! Oh my god! I looked away for one second <laughs> and I looked back, and Honda had this. Picture of Henry Cavill on screen. Okay, stop. Stop it. <laughs> but with Batman v Superman, right? I think the issue with it was, one, it was so hyped up. It was so hyped because Batman and Superman are one of the most notable DC heroes. Mm-hmm. So people went in with a lot of expectations. I went in with a lot of expectations and it was just not good. And I'm not sure if we can just blame the writers, the directors straight away because... The studio interfered. And I think this is an issue with a lot of DC films. The studios interfered too much. So with Batman v Superman, the studios interfered because they were like, hey, <laughs> this movie is way too long. So they cut out a lot of things. And then the movie just didn't make any sense. Like, at all. Mm. Because the plot of the film is Superman being like, holy... Okay, let me make it sound a bit easier. The whole part of the film is like Batman going, oh shit, Superman is this alien that is so powerful and he's on Earth. He will definitely pose a threat to society one day in the future because he's this like really powerful alien being, right? Mm -hmm. So you can understand why Batman wants to take Superman down. Superman is like, I need to take Batman down. Why? I don't know. He's a vigilante. Like, there's no... The the rationales are so imbalanced. It was so imbalanced. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. Mm. So that movie, like, didn't work. 
And then afterwards, they went into Justice League, which was Joss Whedon's Justice League. And that was a hot mess because nothing made sense. Um, and towards the end, right, instead of it being like a Justice League film, Superman comes in and uh, he... Yeah, yeah. Okay, if anyone's going to cry spoilers, I'm so sorry, but this movie is really not worth not spoiling. So <laughs> Superman comes in and he basically just overpowers everyone and he takes on the hero by himself. So it becomes Superman and the other heroes instead of like a team effort thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the bigger reasons as to why we should all collectively, we as a society, should hate and shun Joss Whedon's Justice League was because it was originally written by Zack Snyder. And Snyder had... When you watch the film, you can tell that he has a very deep passion and love for these characters. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, um, he had to leave the project halfway because his daughter passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what the studio did was, they handed this project to Joss Whedon, who cut up the film, did dumb, like super dumb <laughs> reshoots. And the film ended up becoming this like hot mess. And you could tell that there wasn't like a love or passion for any of these characters in there. So today when I watched the Zack Snyder cut, right, I was just like, yeah, I could feel that he genuinely loved these characters and this universe and like the story. Mm. And a lot of characters that usually don't get the spotlight, because certain characters in the first the first version of Justice League are just rendered to be comic relief. And you never ever see them do anything, like, powerful. But in this film, Zack Snyder gives them time to actually show that, you know, they are worth to be in the Justice League. But then again, Zack Snyder's cut is, like, four hours Uh long. Straight up. Four hours. I mean, Endgame was also three hours. Yeah. No, but, okay, so, what was the thing with Endgame? There was something always happening... Mm. right and visually it was good because something was always happening on screen the moment a film starts to drag is because nothing is happening you can't have four hours of dialogue because that would like I mean there's some films that are successful in doing it but that other factors that go into making it interesting but yes movie recommendation Zack Snyder's Justice League. I want to rewatch Marvel films now. Oh my gosh, we should have like a. Once semester ends, we should have like a movie watchathon again. When did we do that? Oh, we never had a movie watchathon, <laughs> but we had a movie watching. Like we Netflix partied a lot. Yeah, but sadly, it's not on Netflix. Ugh. We'll figure out something. <laughs> She'll think okay. about having Disney Plus. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyone has got Disney Plus, help Honda make the decision if she should get it or not. Because I told her she doesn't need to. But then again, that's kind of what I said about Netflix. I was like, yeah, you don't need Netflix. There are other um, sites you can watch the same things on. And then um, I've got Netflix, so... Yeah, I can watch Star Wars films on, Netflix, on Disney Plus as well. Yeah. Also because uh, Disney as a corporation are going to definitely restrict their content on other and streaming sites. Monopolies. I mean, uh... <laughs> they got Net Geo, they got Disney... I mean, uh, Net Geo, Marvel... Marvel. Fox... Oh, they got Fox too? Yeah, that's why you can watch 911. 911's under oh. Fox. And they have some Fox stuff that we can watch on Disney+. Plus. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Alright, Honda. Yeah? Are you ready for this week's story? Sure. <laughs> what do you mean, true? Like, uh... Bye. <laughs> you have a choice. Choice is but an illusion. Dun dun dun. Anyway, so today's story will be about the Lin family murders. 
Ooh. from your silence, I take it as you've never heard of this before. <laughs> um, this story is actually from Australia. Hmm. Have we done any Australian stories? I yet? don't remember. I don't know. Crack, you might. <laughs> oh my god, here comes the accent. <laughs> we haven't done it yet. Okay, now that no. sounds... That sounds <laughs> Anyway, so today's story will be on the Lin family murders. So, interestingly, it's an Asian crime in Australia. I think it's kind of interesting how Australia has, like, such a huge Asian population because... Yep. I feel like, at least in Singapore's context, everyone wants to move to Australia. It's the closest Angmore country. I think so, but it's like, it's like far, everyone wants to go to Australia. Far. I know, yeah, I know. And like, I feel like all of us know at least one person who has gone to study in Australia or was from Australia. I don't know. And I guess the big Asian community there is like uh it 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 makes it feels like safe or like something like home. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Also, I feel like today we'll have a discussion about Asian communities in Western countries. Oh god. <sighs> anyway, that is for later. Not for sorry. So on July 18, 2009. Kathy Sie, XIE, and her husband, Robert Sie, paid a visit to her brother, Norman Lin's business. So, Norman, who was 45 years old, and his wife, Lily, who was 43, ran a family owned newspaper agency. Interesting. So, yeah, I was like, hmm. Do we know anyone? Yeah, right. Like, it's... I've never heard of it before, but... I guess it's interesting. Mm. Anyway, so... Kathy and Robert um, arrived at the newspaper agency. And to their surprise, they found out that it was closed. And this was highly unusual because it was already 9am. And the business was meant to be open by then. Mm-hmm. So, the both of them were like, okay, um what is going on and decided to go to her brother's house so the Lin family home to see what was up so Robert and Kathy both walked to Norman's house which was located in North Epping New South Wales when they reached there there were some things that were pretty off because um, the front door was unlocked Mm. Yeah, and I don't know, it's never a good sign <laughs> when you go to someone's house and the front door is just like unlocked. And, Unless they yeah. were. And when they've been missing and then the front door is unlocked. <laughs> yeah, okay. Unless, like, for example, they're having a party or something and the front door is unlocked, then it's pretty okay. <laughs> but, like, you know, as Honda said, if. <clears throat> wow, my voice. <laughs> as Honda said, like, if your friend or family member has been missing and the front door's unlocked, it's a bit mm, scary. So, Kathy pushed the door open and she entered and, no surprise, she was met with a gruesome scene. So there was blood literally everywhere. So it was on the oh, walls, man. all over the floor and um, the entire family Norman, Lily, um, Kathy's sister Irene, Norman's two sons, Henry and Terry, were all dead. So, Norman, a eh, Norman, sorry, Robert immediately ran to his in laws' house to tell them what happened, while Kathy frantically called 000, which is the Australian equivalent of 911. That's interesting. Yeah. And the phone call is actually so sad. Like, um, you can mm. hear how distraught she is. And she can't even get the words out as mm-hmm. she's, like, trying to talk to the dispatch. And um, towards the end, like, she finally manages to say, I think someone killed my family. So, 
I'm going to attempt to play the 911 call. Interesting. Uh, to Honda, the quality might sound bad, but like for all of y'all, I will put the actual clip in. So, yeah. Thank you. Police emergency. This is Tim. Hello, I need an ambulance to 55A Boundary Road. What's up? What's up? North. North. Just let me find it here. What corner street's closest? Uh, um, close to uh, um, Back Street. Close to? Um, Epping North, uh, pa- uh, Oval Park. So it's 55A, Boundary Road, Epping North, and it's a house? Yeah, yeah. What's the problem? Yeah, the house, wrong? yeah. What, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm not sure someone, I think <laughs> I think I'm not sure. You, you need to tell me why you need an ambulance. What's wrong? Yeah, I think someone died. I'm not sure. Why do you think someone's dying? I don't know. You need to tell me something. You're asking for an ambulance, but why? Yeah, I also need a place. Please. Yeah, why? What's wrong? Because I think, think someone would die. Yeah, you need to say why. What have you seen or heard <laughs> that makes you think someone is going to die? What is wrong? Don't scream. Just answer my question. What's wrong? Can I talk to someone else? Is there anyone else there? No, I Who's in the background talking? I've got people in the way, but you need to tell me what's wrong. Is someone unconscious? I think so they die. Why? Why? We could. I'm not sure that maybe someone killed, killed my, my, um, my brother's family. Driving there, don't say quick. Tell me what's wrong. Have you seen your brother? I, 
I'm not sure because we're... We're already driving there. You don't need to worry. We're on the way. But can you see your brother? I'm not sure. No, it's yes or no. Can you see no, him? I, I, no. Is he in the I, house? Pardon? Is your brother in the house? I'm not sure. No, it's yes or no. Have you seen him no, in the I, house? I didn't see. I didn't see him. But what, why do you think he's dead? I'm a bit confused. Because I saw the, my brother sister in law the body, and I saw the um, sister in law sister's body, and I saw the two cousins and uh, two um, I, to my brother sister's body. So I can't say I, I didn't see my brother. About, can you see their bodies? Yeah, I saw. We're coming, we're on the way, you don't need to worry, we're on the way. I know, the way. Called the ambulance, I'm not sure they're by or not. No, we're ambulance are on the way as well. Okay, thank you, thank you much. Police are in the street now, they'll be there in ten seconds. Are you outside the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you out the front? Outside, yeah, front, the driveway. Can you see the police yet? They're driving there right now. They'll have their lights on. It is number 55A, Boundary yeah, Road, isn't it? It's, a yeah, battle, uh, it's, it's right back. Uh, long driveway, uh, long driveway. Yeah, long driveway, opposite um, uh, every north over pipe. Yeah, I saw the... I saw the... Uh, I'm not sure it's police car. Uh, yes, police car, I saw the... You can see the police car now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Alright, are they coming down your driveway yet? Yes, uh, yes. They're coming down your driveway? Yes. All right, you talk to police then. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. So, Honda, thought? I mean, it's kind of hard to understand what she's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's so obviously annoyed. Okay, like, um, I came across this very thread where this person was like, yeah, the the nine one one um operator, I'm mean, not nine one one triple zero operator sounds incredibly annoyed, and mm-hmm. people were like, oh yeah, you know, like if you're a nine one one operator, you have to be like, um, you can't be emotional. You need to get the facts right. But this guy's like not getting the facts. He's just being really annoyed at this distraught woman. Mm-hmm. And the language barrier doesn't help either. But he... Oh, God. Like, I feel like I would have an anxiety attack if I talked to a 911 operator like that. I don't think he's, like, compassionate enough. Like... Yeah! She's obviously in distress. And his tone is not helping her. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I think he was just trying to get the facts. You know, of what is happening. But... His line Some of questioning empathy. wasn't. His line of questioning wasn't even getting the facts, anyways. So obviously, yeah. Stop saying quick. We're on the way. I'm like, no. He sounded oh. more annoyed than that. Yeah, I was. Ugh, anyway, triple zero operator aside, like you can clearly tell and you can hear basically how distraught she was, like to the point where she can't. Even, she couldn't even articulate what was happening. And it was so sad. And, like, the thing that really struck me was even at the end, she was so polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was like, thank you. And I was like, ma'am. <laughs> um, manners would have been, like, thrown out the window if a 911 report- reporter operator spoke like that to me, I'd be so pissed. You start fighting over the phone. Yeah, I'll just be like, um, some compassion would be nice. Some empathy would be nice. Yeah. You hounding me with questions and something annoyed is not going to help the situation. Mm. Plus, this woman literally just stepped into her brother's house and saw multiple dead bodies. I mean, the, to be fair, he didn't know that. The operator didn't know that. Yeah, but at the same time, like she's struggling to say it. And she's like, did you see a body? I'm like, <laughs> okay, like... It's a yes Even, or no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yes or no. Uh, anyway, aside from this shitty operator, um, it's just... Uh, I can't mean, even imagine yeah. being in her shoes. I mean, I had to call 911. And I was very... I mean, not 911 in Singapore. It's 995. But 
the operator lady was like really really nice and her voice is really nice and she was really Mm. professional and I really appreciated that because her voice did ground me yeah so if if he was on the phone oh my god (laughs) oh my god like yeah no this is the thing like I feel like in a situation like this you have to be able to ground the person like understandably for some people being more firm helps Mm -hmm. but I don't know I feel like if you're trying to be firm and the caller is still in distress then you might want to change your tactics yeah yeah so anyway so Kathy was um left to deal with like the police and the ambulance while her husband went to get like his in-laws in Maryland so the in-laws um is Kathy's parents. Mm-hmm. When investigators finally arrived, um, they too were very shocked by the state of the house. Because, you know, as I mentioned before, there was blood literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, all the bodies were found upstairs in the bedrooms. All victims had been bludgeoned to death. Some of the wounds were so severe that their faces were unrecognizable and the police had to Damn. use forensics in order to identify the bodies. I mean, yeah. And then that provides the context as to why she was so distraught yeah. over the phone. Yeah, I mean, even if she didn't see the body, like, you enter the house and if you see that much blood everywhere, it's... I mean, obviously you... she doesn't know if her brother is there or not. <laughs> okay, but you also find out why she didn't see her brother's body. Oh, Mm. Anyway, so the scene was so bloody that the investigators actually initially thought that a shotgun had been used in order to leave such a violent scene behind. Mm. Mm. Shotgun. Yes. Um, in the first bedroom, they found Norman and Lily. So Lily was naked from the waist up. And this is why um, Kathy didn't see her brother because Norman's body was actually found under the covers. Oh, okay. Mm. So investigators realised that the killer had left the room, murdered the remaining members of the household and then had returned to the room to arrange the bodies. So Lily and Norman were actually arranged into a V-shape with Norman under the covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next body that was... Yeah, it's... It, it's v. I mean, yeah. The next body that was found was Irene's. Um, Her body was found slumped against a wall. The final two bodies to be found were Norman's two young sons, 12-year-old Henry and 9-year-old Terry. Um... Looking at the adults' crime scenes, it was obvious, I guess from the blood spatter patterns and whatnot, that um, the adults didn't know um, what was coming when the when the attacker like attacked them. But for the two boys, it was the opposite because as investigators saw the blood spatter patterns on the wall, mm-hmm. um, as well as like several wounds on the boys' bodies, they actually figured out that the boys had been moving when they oh. were being attacked. Mm. Yeah, so basically this meant that the boys had attempted to fight back as they were being um, attacked, but ultimately they lost the battle. Mm. But, um, even amongst all this, I guess it, it seems very defeated. I feel like as an investigator, I'd feel very defeated when I see especially two young boys yeah. like bludgeoned to death. But um, investigators actually found 24 bloody footprints and the footprints revealed that the attacker wore a size 8.5 to 10.5 A6 brand shoe. Mm. Um, also, interestingly, there was one room in the house that was left untouched. And that was the room of 15-year-old Brenda Lynn, who was, at, at, on the day, um, she was on a French school trip 
in Caledonia. And do you know, do you wanna know how she found out about the murders? On the TV. No. Social media. Yeah, she found out via Facebook because uh. one of her friends showed her the article. What the hell? Yeah. After the tragedy, um, Brenda went to live with Kathy and Robert, who became her legal guardians. And um, Kathy and Robert actually also took over the family business. Um, shortly after the murders, Robert and Kathy made public pleas to... Yeah, they made public pleas to get any information that could possibly help mm. with the investigation. So going back to investigation, investigators were trying to figure out what had happened. Um, whoever entered the house and murdered Lynn, um, who entered the house and murdered the Lynn family, didn't burglarize the home. So everything, all the valuables were left intact, which told the investigators that robbery clearly had not been the intention. Mm-hmm. Then there was the 24 footprints. And since it all belonged to the same ASICS shoe, it was determined that the actor... Actor? What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking about... Uh... Anyway, so it was determined that the killer had gone there and had possibly acted alone. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and also the killer, whoever had come in and had killed the Lin family had used a hammer-like object that could have been easily bought at like the $2 store and they found out that five out of four victims had signs of strangulation. And the very fact that like this hammer-like instrument was used to like bludgeon their faces it suggested that there was a level of intimacy to it and um it also appeared mm. that the killer actually knew the layout of the house. Mm. Because, like, how else would this killer know to go to the bedrooms to, you know, attack the family members? Yeah. Yeah, but other than this, um, the investigators actually didn't have much. So they set- decided to set up a task force called Strike Force Noburn. What? I can- I'm like, no who comes up with these? Like, N-O-B-U-R-N. No burn. Strike force, no burn. Yeah, okay, listen. Who comes up with these names? Like, I want to know. Badly. <laughs> <laughs> At least make it rhyme. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, anyway. So the police actually realised that they had to be somewhat co- covert in the way they investigated the case because like they nothing was really coming up in the investigation. Mm-hmm. So on May in May 2010, mm. Kathy was interviewed by the NSW Crime Commission where the police told her that they found bloody footprints that matched an ASICS shoe. Also side point, um who uses ASICS shoes? Old Asian men. Just kidding. <laughs> That's my image of like that that specific like white color A6 like 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 workout shoe, like the bulky kind. That's my only image of A6. Okay, well A6 used by old Asian men. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then the police actually realized something after listening to Kathy's triple zero call. Um if you remember in the call there were several instances where Kathy was screaming in a foreign language. It's a dialect, right? A Chinese dialect. Yeah, it's Cantonese. And at one point, the the operator, the shitty operator, is like, who's there with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, the police were like, hmm... Who was there? Um, where am I listening? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she switches between English and Cantonese and the police are like, mm, something's up. And do you know who she was yelling to in Cantonese? Her husband. I don't know. Yeah. 
she was yelling at her husband Robert in Cantonese. Um, so when the police translated the parts where she was yelling at him, right, she was actually telling him to stay. Like she didn't want him to go because he was like, "I, I'm a jet. I'm a call." Um, my in-laws and inform them of what happened and like police were like why would you do that yeah 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 because first of all right you don't even know if the killer is like lurking around the corner considering that they came and strategically killed off an entire family what makes you think that they might not want to come for Kathy and like your wife is distraught (laughs) and you leave her to deal with all the cleanup. Yeah, essentially that. Like, why would you leave your distraught wife to deal with everything while you go to call the in-laws? And like, why do you have to physically go to call your in-laws? <laughs> right? A phone call could have like sufficed, especially given the circumstance. I'm pretty sure your in-laws wouldn't be like, you should have come to me personally when your wife... <laughs> is having a breakdown over there after finding her entire family murdered. Mm. Um, so this is where the alarm bell started going off in like the police's heads. Also, um, remember I mentioned that their in-laws lived in the Marylands. So from North Epping to the Marylands, it's actually a 25-minute drive. Mm-hmm. Which is why I said, like, given this emergency circumstance, you don't have to drive 25 minutes to inform your in-laws. Like, a phone call would have been enough. Mm-hmm. But Robert decided to go the 25 minutes and, like, bring the in-laws down. So the police, as I said, were like, hmm, maybe we should look at this Robert fella a little closer. Mm. So remember the task force? Strike force? No burn. So uh, they did something that you see in like spy movies and they planted like a pinhole camera wow. in <laughs> yeah, Kathy and Robert's home. And what they found was they actually found footage of Robert cutting up a shoebox. So he cut up the shoebox, he soaked it, he soaked the cardboard in a bucket of water, and then he flushed whatever's inside down the toilet. And what was the shoebox, you might ask? A6. (laughs) You're right. It was for a men's 9.5 sized a6 shoe. See, I told you old Asian men use A6 shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, um, they also found out that on the day of the murders, Robert had actually cleaned his garage. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So, finally, after a whole year of investigating the police had enough evidence to go ahead and basically make an arrest. And when they did check Robert's garage, they found a dark stain, which later revealed to contain DNA from four out of the five victims. So the stain was called Stain 91. And one um, one of the forensic experts claimed that it appeared to be a transfer stain, meaning that something had come into contact with blood and then transferred it to the garage. Mm. Yeah, so um, basically the murder didn't happen in the garage. Mm. Something the killer wore was still wet with blood and then the killer brought it back to the garage. Mm. So on May 5th, 2011, Robert Sierra was arrested in his home. During the trial, Robert revealed to another inmate that he had sedated his wife on the morning of the murders and that had gone to the Lin family home and murdered them. Because in one of the um, testimonies, I believe, Kathy was like, no, he he didn't do it because he was in bed with me. Like, Uh. we woke up together. But now you know why. It's because he sedated her. Um... 
Prosecutors surmised that Robert, who had been an ear, nose and throat specialist when he still lived in China, had been jealous of Norman Lin's success. So Robert actually had several failed businesses, um, including like this restaurant that basically went under. And seeing how successful Norman was with his newspaper agency basically made him very envious. And I feel like this is like truly an Asian thing, but the the fear of losing one's status and like, how valuable you are in somebody else's eyes. So, Robert um, was like, I'm I'm not as successful as um, Norman is. So, Norman is of a higher status than I am. Especially in the eyes of the, like, the in-laws. Like, you are the son-in-law that <laughs> had several failed businesses. So... This was one of the reasons why he became, like, very jealous of Norman. Mm. And um, also because um, after Robert's failed restaurant uh, venture in Melbourne, uh, he was essentially unemployed. And I think being unemployed in an Asian household is, like, literally you get thrown to the bottom of the, like, status sphere. Like, everyone looks at you like you're scum of the earth. Because you're not providing for your family. Yeah. And furthermore, plot twist, um, it is believed that Robert had sexual desires towards his niece, Brenda. Oh, no. Mm, and remember, Brenda ended up in the care of Kathy and Robert. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, later, Brenda would actually come out to say that during her time living with Robert and Kathy, Robert had been molesting her. <sighs> yeah. So... Like, in a very sick and twisted way, killing the Lin family allowed Robert to cover and get whatever they had. So, you know, he had access to their wealth, Mm. access to their business, and he had access to Brenda. Yeah, it's really... It's gross. The poor wife. Oh my god. Yeah, um, the thing is, Kathy was, she was, like, supportive of him, and, like, at first she was, like, on his side, and it's, like, all this evidence coming up, it's just, ugh. this poor woman, though, like, yeah. she just lost her entire family, and now she's gonna lose her husband as well, like, Robert, why you gotta be a shitty person? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Um, so, Robert's trial actually took seven years, by the way. Why? Okay, let me tell you why. So, the first trial was inconclusive because oh, wow. the victim of a possible sexual motive refused to be identified. The second was stopped because the judge fell sick. What the? <laughs> and the third um, ended in a hung ju- jury. So, basically, oh, okay. um, yeah, it was a stalemate lamp. In the fourth trial, which was on 12th January 2017, Robert was found guilty of five counts of murder and sentenced to five consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Hmm. Mm. Interestingly, in February this year, he made an appeal, but that was promptly dismissed. Mm. Yeah. So, this is the story of the Lin family murders. Was there another possible suspect? Like, why would the jury be hung, though? Was the defendant um, lawyers, like, that good? <laughs> I think they were also riding on the whole thing about Kathy saying, like, hey, my husband couldn't have done it because, like, he was in bed with me. But then he was also, he also allegedly told an inmate that he sedated her. And given that he's an ear nose mouth specialist like he should know about sedation his lawyers must have been good his lawyers must have been good but um ultimately he ended up in prison so yeah that's the story It's, it's tragic it's sad i don't know um also the reason why i picked this story was because uh 
recently there have been a lot of attacks on Asian people in Western countries. And the thing is, like, we can't really, like, say that we feel the same threat because we come from an Asian country. But, like, I'm pretty sure the both of us have heard enough stories about, like, Asian people in Western countries who have been targeted because of their race. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, Um, recently, there's been such an escalation of attacks on Asian people in the US. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Because I also have relatives living in the US, and it's like... Are they even safe there? And like granted, um the attacks on Asian people have been more like oriental kind of Asians. Am I saying the term right? Like if you look Chinese, somewhat Chinese. I mean like I feel the <laughs> threat is even more I think and they, it's just they think they like everyone who looks like that are Chinese. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just... And Chinese it's so... equals bad in Western countries. Yeah, and I mean also now there's the perpetuation of the uh, the China flu, the Chinese Kung virus. Flu. The Kung flu. So all that just like feeds into the stereotype of Asians, particularly like Chinese-looking Asians as bad people and already like Asians have such a bad stereotype in these countries like for for, like in history Asians have always been exoticized by the white man and we have always been sexualized by the white man you know so there's always a stereotype of Asians being like hypersexual Mm, docile, hypersexual. Yeah, and it's just... It's so damaging and harmful to, like, the entire race. Mm. And it, it doesn't help that, like, Asians also have this perception of needing Western validation. <laughs> and it's, it's, just a, it's just so harmful in the end. But, like, I don't know, a lot of these Asians that have been attacked in the US of late have been, like, were immigrants. Like, they went there for a better life, and mm. then their lives were taken. So, so. A lot of old people are being targeted. Yeah. And, I don't know, is it because they're defenseless, they can't do anything? Like, the old person that got shoved. Yeah, I couldn't even watch a clip because it yeah, made me so mad. To. It made me so mad. And they caught it on tape. And I think the guy got like a very easy sense. I don't know. I don't know. And recently that that friggin' shooter. Atlanta, right? Yeah. He was like treated well in police custody. Like, are you kidding me? Even the police said it wasn't hate crime. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Listen. If it's not racially motivated, why you go to six Asian-owned salons. Why specifically Asian-owned? And the shooter said it wasn't racially, like, motivated. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And he blamed it on what? um Sexual deviance? Like, he was a sex addict or whatever. So, what is the link between being yeah, a yeah, sex yeah. addict and going to an Asian beauty parlor? What is it? Do you have some sort of fetish for Asian people? Did that make you mad? And so you decided to shoot up like six places? And yeah, and then the police said he was having a bad day. Excuse me. Six people died. Are you kidding me? I had a bad day today. Did I shoot up six salons? No, I didn't. <laughs> but having a bad people day, had... I should be like... <laughs> in that yeah, context, so... I should be doing more damage, right? Precisely. By that logic, if you're having a bad day, shouldn't you be like, I don't know committing horrendous crimes and the answer is no because having a bad day is not an excuse everyone has a bad day what the hell everyone has a bad day you're not special dude 
What's his name? I'm so pressed. Let me find out his name. I don't even want to see his face. His name is Robert Aaron Long. All right, Robert. Our second Robert <laughs> in today's story. If you're having a bad day, why didn't you put on yoga with Adrienne? And like do some stretches or like drink some chamomile tea. I don't know. Go if you want to use your gun so badly, go to a shooting range or something. Precisely. And once again, the US is gonna do absolutely nothing about gun control laws. No. They're gonna do absolutely nothing about gun control. No, they will say it's too soon. Then it's to too poli- soon to politicize to... guns and and the bodies haven't are not even cold yet. <laughs> and guess what? Guns are already politics. Because, like, a lot of these people are like, hey, I want my freedom and rights to have guns. But guess what? A lot of people want their freedom and rights to actually live and not to have to constantly fear being shot when they're crossing the road because of their skin colour or because of the way they look. I mean, I guess certain guns, but at least those guns that belong on a battlefield do they are they needed in a city like precisely if you're talking about being a freaking i don't know rancher out in like i don't know a rural farm (laughs) and like you need a gun to like ward off bears or whatever shotguns because like they take long they don't hold that much capacity precisely but then why it's like all those automatic rifles like why why do you need them (laughs) Yeah, why do you need such a gun? You're not in a war zone. You're in the US. It's supposedly like first world country. And supposedly yeah. the best country in the world. <laughs> supposedly. By whose standard? Mm. But okay, so I feel like our anger is at the fact that until today, if you're not a cis white man, you are always constantly in danger particularly (laughs) if you are not white. Mm. And that is like the frustrating thing. I mean, and nothing will change, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And it's nice to know that so many more people are drawing attention to like the Black Lives Matter moment, and not moment, the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as like currently now there's the Stop Asian Hate movement. But it's like, for how long more can we protest? You know, how long more do we have to keep crying just to mm. live and not have to live in constant fear of somebody literally coming up to like your place or your place of employment and like shooting it up? Yeah. It's just so frustrating. And I'm also worried that like the two movement two movements will be like put against each other. I mean, it's happening now. Yeah, I see it happening. It's just that, uh, yeah. you know, they're, all, they're both fighting for the same thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, but okay, once again, there's a lot of history mm. in it. I will hope the people in those groups don't start comparing their situation because they're both yeah. shitty. They're both shitty. And both situations have very specific histories yeah. attached very to them. Very different ones also. Very different ones. So even though both of, like, the Stop Asian Hate movement as well as Black Lives Matter, both are fighting for essentially better treatment and, like, literally just treat us like basic human beings. The history between the two communities is also vastly different. And so are the concerns and problems that they face and their experiences. Mm -hmm. There's an Asian person, you will never have the experience of being a black man. Mm. Or someone black. Yeah. At the same time, like a black person will never have the experience of being an Asian person. Mm. So, uh, I feel like at this point, it shouldn't even be like, oh, you know, we supported you during Black Lives Matter. Why are you not supporting me? Like, uh, yo. No. (laughs) It's a very complicated situation. Mm. And I feel it should never be a circumstance where it's like, oh, I supported you doing this thing, so you should support me. It should be like, you should support me because mm. I'm fighting for basic human rights. 
Mm. Yeah, so that is my two cents. I'm tired. This episode is also way long. Oh no. <laughs> uh, oh geez, Louise. Okay, you know what? Time to wrap up. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcasts. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Bye. We'll link some resources in which you can help um, the Asian community in America in mm-hmm. our show notes. Yes. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.